Welcome to It's Become a Whole Thing, a podcast that takes a highbrow look at the lowbrow trash we love. I'm your host, Emily Rose, and each week we'll tap into the cultural zeitgeist by looking at the best and worst moments of TV history. Because here, we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. All right, I think it's safe to say that my troll has been fully activated. I'm okay with that. She called me a f***ing troll, and I was like, you know what, Katie? That is one word you are not going to call me. Say I was inappropriate. Say I was a bitch. I was disrespectful, whatever. Don't call me a f***ing troll. Hello, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose. And how are you, my sweet little trolls? How's it going? How's your day? How's your week? Um, I want to know what's on your hearts and minds. Uh, We, of course, began the show uh, at the top of the hour with uh, a lot of troll representation out in the world, specifically in the Bravo sphere. Uh, We first heard from Lala Kent and one Sheena Shea, uh, you know, with different takes on the concept of being a troll over here. You know, it's become a whole thing world whole thing laboratories uh as we sometimes call it uh troll is a good thing you know if anyone's new here like if you go on my instagram highlights the highlight called troll stroll it kind of covers it all but it's essentially it began as a rejection of the hawker walk of it just being something that was meant to be good for our mental health but it's just another thing that adds pressure to our lives to look and feel hot I did post about Trolls Trolls the other day and I got a message from someone who was very sweet. They're like, no, no, you're beautiful. You're good. I'm like, no, no. Like, that's the whole thing about the troll lifestyle over here is that, you know, we delusionally believe that we're the hottest person in the room, regardless of whether that's true or not. But on the outside, we're in full like Adam Sandler, dog walk, you know, grungy, maybe slightly surly um demeanor that's uh what we're putting out to the world but inside uh we're feeling grand so i'm gonna get right into today's episode it's with the so wonderful wonderful jada um of girl you haven't heard podcast and across tiktok and everything else and meeting her was just it felt like meeting a long lost friend like i just i had to be mindful of the time because i could have just talked to her for hours um she's so like exactly the type of person um that i want to do tv analysis um we think the same way we have a very similar astrology chart uh you know a lot of things all came together it's all happening as sheena shea would say am i thinking a lot of vanderpump rules yes i am um i know not all of you guys are bravo watchers for those who are you know we've had a big week okay we're tired uh there's been a lot going on Sammy and I recorded an emergency Patreon episode all about the scandal, as Andy Cohen called it. That was out on, we put that out on Saturday, I think, or Sunday. Um, It's an hour and a half. It's a lot. um, But it was necessary for us in our hearts, minds, and souls. Um, And there'll be a regular Patreon episode out on Wednesday, as per usual, covering general hot topics, for those of us uh who are not in the bravo sphere we we welcome all kinds here so that will be happening um on wednesday sammy p will be back on the main feed uh next week and so yeah 
Um, the Patreon's $5 a month. It's an episode every week. Um, that's how you can support the pod in a moneyful way. In a non-moneyful way, you can um, hit it with a five-star review, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or just listen, or just send out good vibes, or, you know, whatever. If you don't have good vibes in you right now to send, and you're just trying to get through your day, that's fine too. Um, so that's about it for me. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Okay, and we're back with Jada from Girl You Haven't Heard. Hi, Jada. Hi. Hi, so good to have you. We've been meaning to do this for a while, and it's so great because one of your many specialties is you get into reality TV, and you like to dig beneath the surface, everything we like to do over here. And we started talking before when my podcast had a different format, and now it's all like digging into TV recaps. So I'm just like, this is great. The stars have aligned. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's all happening. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> um, so we were talking just before recording about how, like, I always ask guests how they want to be introduced because we all have different titles and you're like sort of similar to me. Like we're doing a whole bunch of different things. How would you describe what you do Okay, I feel like the best way to describe what I do online would be like Black history, Black Canadian history, uh, true crime, and then reality TV breakdowns. I'm more so focused on, like you were talking about, the underlying levels to things, the structures behind them, why things operate the way that they do, why something is more sinister than it seems to be on the surface. Um, I like to dive deep. So I feel like online, my presence is very critical, um, but that actually stemmed from like I've done organizing and like community activism and things like that for almost, how old am I? I'm 23. So I've done it since I was like 10 or 11. So most of my work has been offline. This online stuff is fairly new. Like my podcast, Girl You Haven't Heard, started in September of 2021 and TikTok started in June or July of last year. So like very, very new. Um, but yeah, so most of my stuff has been offline, very community oriented, like trying to figure out what I can do to help people to the best of my ability, sharing that knowledge. So I feel like this is just another way of me to do that. And it's a lot easier because it's just all done from the comfort of my house, mainly my room. Um, but I feel like the impact is, it's great. Like I really enjoy doing it. Man, I'm so in awe of how much you have figured out at 23. Like it's the I trauma. <laughs> sure it's the trauma yeah <laughs> oh my god relatable um love that okay so um we're here to talk about love is blind season three uh so i've been doing a lot of shows from the early 2000s and i do kind of like when it premiered and where we were in the world of like news pop culture news at the time and i want to do this still for this show because Time is weird, and I feel like the pandemic made time even weirder, where, like, <laughs> this show aired four months ago, but I was looking at, like, the news items and the shows, and, like, you could have told me that happened a year ago, a month ago, like, I would have believed any of those things. So, the show premiered October 19th, 2022, so four months back. Um, That's crazy to me. I know. Time. What is time? Um, the news of the week. So that was right when Kanye West's statements like 
basically his like big tirades that kind of ended it all for him were happening. And that's when like the backlash was happening because he sort of got started down like the path that we all know he took, but there wasn't really much consequence at first. And this week was when companies like Adidas dropped him, um, social media sites dropped him. Like it was like done for him um, in terms of like his public life. Um, At the same time, very different, but Taylor Swift was taking over um, a lot of people's lives, mine included, with Midnight's. Um, and White Lotus Season 2 premiered. Again, you could have told me that was a year ago. I'm like, what? Um, Honestly, and- I have to make a confession. I have not seen White Lotus. Um, okay, well, I think you might enjoy it. I don't know. I'm really, like, White Lotus obsessed. But, um, okay, yeah. so... Also, this is so funny. I was looking at the hit songs of this week, and one of them was <laughs> First Class by Jack Harlow. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, LOL. Like, I feel like everyone's gotten disenchanted with Jack Harlow, like, since then. I don't that was- see, at that time was such a weird time. I feel like people really loved him. And me personally, like, don't get me wrong, I love a white boy, but I didn't see the appeal of Jack Harlow. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't get it. But it was like, I feel like that was the whole, it was like, ooh, like white boy with swag. And I was like, sorry, but like, I don't know, maybe it was just seeing him getting, there was this um, footage of him where bodyguards were like carrying him over the mud at the Kentucky Derby and his like little legs were like flipping the air. And it was just oh my like, God. <laughs> it That's put me ick. off. It was like, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was like a permanent ick. It just put me off him completely. And I couldn't come back from that. I think for me, it was like a friend that I've had for a while. She met him before he kind of like blew up and she posted a picture with him because she lives in Kentucky. And I was like, I don't, don't," it was before he got like his bangs. So his little curls were just to the side and he has like a massive forehead. And I was like, oh, this is a catfishing technique. I didn't even know men could do. Well, okay. This is a bit rude, but was it before his chin implant? Because that also really changed a lot. Chin implants. Okay. Look. I am seriously pro do whatever you want with your body, including plastic surgery. I will also add that if you Google Jack Harlow before and after Tim implant, you can really see what a big difference it made for him. So now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that's, it was before. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And like, bless, bless him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, men love to talk about like women catfishing with makeup, but I'm like, guys, look, look, how many of you without the beard, it would be like a different scenario or like without the bangs a lot. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like with makeup, you take it off at the end of the day. And again, no tea, no shade. You're allowed to do whatever you want with your body. I love a good beard catfish. Don't get me wrong. But then if you shave that off, then we have problems because who are you? You look like a totally different person. Yeah. If we meet you with a beard, you got to just keep it. You got to keep it the whole time. Forever. Yeah. (laughs) If it falls out, you need to get like those glue on face beards because I'm not (laughs) doing it. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Oh, yeah. Okay. So the other two songs that I had written down that were in the top three billboard charts um bad habit by steve lacy that like i don't know i was gonna say that tiktok song i guess every song is kind of a tiktok song now um and as it was by harry styles which felt like it lasted for eight years um as the number one i feel like i still hear that song yeah all the time it's like okay i've been coming down a little hard on harry styles recently um it's not him but it's kind of just like his music is just so 
perfect for commercials. Like I think companies are like, yes, this is our new Bruno Mars. Like, let's go. So. Which is to me, you're allowed to come down hard on hairstyles. I feel like any man in particular who is in the music industry, they have it a lot easier. They have to do a lot less. And I feel like he does like the the very bare minimum. And people are like, amazing, gets all the awards, gets all these brand deals. Like you hear the song everywhere for a reason. It's like you're saying it's very marketable, but I also feel like that's because he came from One Direction and that was their whole brand. They had to be marketable. They weren't allowed to do anything else. And Bruno Mars, that's a whole other situation because that man just got rich and famous off of black fishing. <laughs> he's not black. And so he's a nice little face to substitute black folks in that genre and make a lot of money. Oh my God. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, I said, I wasn't going to go in on Harry Styles. I will go in on Bruno Mars. Cause it makes me see red. Like I just can't like, I'm like a pop girly, but there's something about like certain types of like, it's almost like elevator pop that I just, I, I don't know. I can't I've heard it way too much. Um, yeah. Um, okay. I've just like situated us in where we were four months ago in time. Um, but let's get into Love is Blind season three. So usually we cover a show, um, one episode scene by scene, but this whole mess really just blends into itself. Like you said before we started recording, like it really feels like one long episode. So we're going to be just talking about general themes and like the cringiest moments of the main show and after the altar. Um what is your relationship to this show? Um, I feel like I am not very much a trend girl. I will wait till the trend falls off and then I'm getting involved. So that was me with Love is Blind. Like I started watching after season two already came out. And then I just binge watched season one and season two. And I was like, oh, season one, I love it. Like the concept really, it, it got me. I was like, it makes sense, you know, in my brain, in my pandemic brain, which was not working very clearly. I was like, yeah, this makes sense. And this is really practical. It's not. It just creates an ideal situation for love bombing and abuse. But then as season three came out, I was like, ooh, this is icky. And it started to, like, I'm, I love reality TV. But one thing I don't like about it is how Black women or women of color are very much seen as undesirable on those shows. So because of this concept in my mind, I was like, oh, well, it's not going to be the same thing. And then it started to become the same thing, even though they couldn't actually see the person. And so to me, like, I'm still going to watch it. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like, I'm not going to enjoy watching it. I'm going to hate watch it now. Yeah. There's something so gross about the show where, like, the premise is, like, we're doing something so incredible. Like, this is about love beyond just, like, looks. It's, like, at least with something like The Bachelor, which is a very, very fucked up show, they're not trying to say we're being progressive in any way. They're like, mm, no, we're barely even trying. Like, and right. that show has many more issues. I mean, talk about, like, even beyond, like, race. It's like, all you have to do is be, like, brunette and you're, like, a second-class citizen on that show. Like, that is... that show, I don't understand. I'm confused. I think it's just, like, the creator, Mike Weiss, I think it's just, like, his sick fantasies and, like, he's just been at the helm of the show for way too long and... Also, I should do some Bachelor uh, content at some point, but I think that the show is really divided in its watchers between like the kind of like Southern, like American dream people that watch it earnestly and then the people that hate watch it and are there like rallying against it. And I think it's super split and they're like, okay, who do we cater to? Well, mm, <laughs> seems pretty clear who they've gone with. Right. Um, 
But Love is Blind, like, they're sort of trying to be virtuous, like, and Nick Lachey is, like, trying to set the scene for that about how it's, like, we're going to go, like, beyond the apps and beyond all this, like, superficial stuff. But it's, like, even just, okay, before we even start, like, the people that they're casting are, like, generally, like, thin people. Right. Like, um, they fit within societal expectations and standards of what attractive people look like. Yeah. And I heard that they find them on Instagram. So they're talking about getting off the apps and doing all this stuff. They'll just like go to the location and like find people and send them the casting link. So it's like, sure. Yeah. And like, I love how like Nick Lachey was asked about this. And he's like, not someone I would like trust to treat a social issue with like the the attention it needs. But I think he was like, oh, it's because fat people like feel self-conscious being on TV. Like, so they don't want to like audition for the show. And it's like, excuse me. (laughs) Like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) the audacity (laughs) i know i know the audacity i know and like even just i mean i don't know this whole like love beyond looks it almost feels a little bit like um i don't see color kind of thing you know like (laughs) no i agree i absolutely agree it feels icky like it just feels gross yeah well this was something that like right before they even went into the pods um they were talking about like you know, they had the men gather in their room and the women gather in their in theirs. And um, SK in his confessional, he said um, on the apps, um, race is something that you can't hide. And for a lot of us, that filters out people that have certain requirements. And like that made me so sad to hear. I'm like, I mean, clearly that is not like an experience that I've had to like live personally, but to think like okay, someone who would have the requirement that you have to be white, like, are you saying you would want to, like, bypass that? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I do, like, if we're being 100% real, I feel like the algorithms that they use are quite racially motivated, I feel like is the best way to put it. So, like, if you are a lighter skin tone or you are more desirable, like, you're blonde and skinny and white and you have blue eyes, like, you're going to be pushed. So, so many more people are going to see you. Whereas if you are like a black woman or just like a trans person of color, like it's just, they're not going to push you as much because based off of their algorithm, they don't think that your profile is going to be the one that's going to keep people on the app. And that's what they want to do. So it is difficult, but it's also ironic that SK is the one saying that because he's the one who ended up having the biggest issue with the race of his partner and kept it private. So. I know. I thought that was so interesting. And yeah, like that is a really good point about the apps that like AI has the inherent bias of humans, which is shitty in many ways, like racist, misogynistic, yeah. all those things. So you have that like built in before it even gets into people's hands who are then applying their own like bias on top of that. So I don't know. It's funny. He's like, so uh, my boyfriend and I met on the apps and like we always joke about how like our profiles. Oh, which like- one? I'm so nosy. Um, no, no, totally. Um, hinge. And okay. we always joke about how like our profiles barely said anything about what we actually like because it was all just oriented towards like filtering out like fascism. <laughs> like his was like, I require that you like hate colonialism. And I was like, everyone hates colonialism. He's like, no, you'd be surprised. Like I was like, I'm just using that. Seriously. As, yeah. And I'm like, no, that's true. Like I just you know, I wouldn't have thought of it, but like, he's like, no, that's just anyone who that raises a red flag. He's like, no, I want them out, you know? So that was like our whole thing of just like, of filtering people out. But yeah, like 
there is a lot to like that statement. So that was his first confessional. And then when we're first talking about the dating world, he's talking about polygamy and how that's like the culture that he comes from and how much he wants to distance himself from it. So it feels like interesting, like foreshadowing in a way. Yeah, very much that. And also very performative because in my mind, like I know they're supposed to make it feel like, oh, they're just talking to us, but they're talking to a producer who's asking them questions. So in my mind, I'm trying to figure out what question could have been asked to prompt that information out of him, because I don't think anybody else had any sort of answer along those lines of what their cultural upbringing is when it comes to polygamy or monogamy or if they're into like open relationships like I don't recall that at all so that felt very weird to me but also yeah very much foreshadowing and it's like why are you trying to paint this good guy image right off the bat like you're doing a little too much everyone was like oh I love SK and when I watched it like I said I watched it late but not late enough to before all this stuff came out it was like right in that sweet spot and I was like I don't get the hype like he feels very manipulative to me like I don't I don't like him and my sister looked at me like I was crazy. And isn't it nice to have then, like, what unfolded later, like, basically come out in your favor? You're like, see? You're... Like, you're, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> your triple Scorpio spidey sense, like, did not lead you astray. <laughs> For once. <laughs> it's only because it wasn't the man that I was seeing. If it's someone else's man, I can see it. My man blinders. Oh I'm not God. seeing anything. <laughs> we're the, we're the same. <laughs> same <laughs> when you're in it I feel like it's different you can't remove yourself from it you can't see what it really is because there's all these different things that are justifying what's going on in front of you yeah and it's funny too like with the whole like people in the pods and this is like before they've seen each other I think anyone with any kind of logic can assume that people have been cast on the show who are like conventionally attractive and then also like you still see those biases come out, like being like, oh, my God, you're a ballet dancer. Like, that's so hot. And like, <laughs> you know, like that-, that one to me was so weird because, first of all, like, I hate when people, man or woman, non-binary person are sexualizing other people right off the bat. And I feel like that might be something that they're not taking into account. Like, you're still able to talk to them and have these conversations so in your mind, you're still going to build a picture of what they look like. So for him, he cool, right? He automatically assumed that Colleen was attractive and thin because she was a ballerina. But then what would have happened if they did match and she was plus size because not all ballerinas are skinny. So it's like, it's such a weird thing. And for that to be at the forefront of his mind, I think showed me that producers don't care about who they're really bringing on the show because if you really had a simple conversation with him, you'd be able to see that he doesn't actually care about anything on a deep level. Well, the cynic in me thinks that they do actually care about who they bring on the show and they want to bring like pieces of shit people like they want to like put those people in the mix because they make good TV um, or the even more cynical person in me is like maybe they couldn't find 16 good straight men. <laughs> <laughs> probably not probably not <laughs> but, but like at the same time like love is blind season one to me was like magical like there were um some like weird dynamics of course but like lauren and cameron like i cried like at certain points in like their love story like it was so moving to me and they're one of like the rare couples where like the show wasn't super popular so it wasn't as much people going on to 
increase their Instagram following. And it did seem like, okay, this like social experiment that actually worked and they just talked because I do think that if you just put people in this environment where all they're doing is like talking about their whole life story and like their soul basically like yeah you're you're like people are gonna fall in love with each other like I don't believe in the one like I just there's like the right circumstances and you know human nature I guess yeah I totally agree I think the vibes were completely different that first season and Lauren and Cameron for me they're just it like after that they should have just ended the show because no, everyone's going to be compared to them for forever now. And they're still happily married and like their whole lives are integrated and they're doing really, really well, very much in love. And so it feels like they just can't get any better than that. Like you just might as well just quit while you're ahead. But they already have filmed season four and season five, right? Like season four comes out later this month, which is crazy to me. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, but like stopping at a good thing is not, they never do that with TV. They're like, no. Ooh, <laughs> they're like, Ooh, you've had a good thing. Let's stretch this out until it's like horrible and everyone hates it and then cancel it. <laughs> right. Right. And then in five years, we'll bring it back for like a reunion. Where are they now? Special. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. Speaking of like people that we had bad gut feelings over, um, Andrew is one of them that oh, <laughs> I just, God. Oh my God. So Andrew, <laughs> Just, I feel like this is now kind of like what he's known for is this moment when he gets rejected and he gets out his eye drops to like create tears. And it was like such a very like memeable moment. But I'm like, okay, so like you're a psycho, but you're like not a smart one because you had the foresight to bring eye drops with you, like maybe from home, but like not put them in off camera, you know? Right. I think it's because he said when he was sitting in that chair, he was like, is it okay if I do this? And because he turned to the side, I think in his mind, he thought they were going to cut it out. Like he didn't think they would keep it in. And it's like, why would the cameras are running? They're going to use everything. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. He's like a sociopath, but like a dumb, like a dumb one. I'm like, of course they're going to use that footage. That's TV gold, Andrew. Like just pretend to blow your nose and like do a little quick drop, drop. The thing that killed me is he was trying to make tears so bad before that and he just couldn't. He was like sniffling and wiping. And I was like, what is he like? What is he doing? What is happening right now? Like, I don't know how the producers and everyone behind us were not just laughing at him right then. Like, how are they keeping it together? I don't know. I mean, it's funny because for him, he went on later to date um, one of the, the people who had been the bachelorette on The Bachelor, like Katie Thurston. And she was someone who I... Felt like the whole season she was like putting on a show and it was like for the show and everything was like a little bit contrived. and I just like couldn't get into it. So I was like, oh, I guess I <laughs> maybe it's good that they found each other. Uh, they've since broken up, but I was like, mm. OK, I was going to say like it, it's either going to end really well or really badly because two psychos together is just you're asking for something to go wrong. Yeah. Or just two people that like they're like we would rather prioritize like our social media presence like over our happiness like at home. I'm like, I feel like genuinely there are some people like that that like come from those shows where I'm like you have the same interests so maybe you're a good match for each other like I don't know yeah I mean maybe if your whole relationship is like how can we look good for Instagram yeah you're two really fake people and you just want a really aesthetic life and relationship like that's your main priority okay like well glad you you found your counterpart <laughs> um, right <laughs> okay so okay so we're gonna like fast forward a little bit to when people are coupled up so they talk they meet their match they propose um 
I would love to talk first about Cole and Zeneb. Zeneb, I believe it's how you say it. Yes. Cole and Zeneb. So much there. So much went on. I was so triggered by Cole. I mean, from the start, but so many moments in this relationship. Like, yes, he reminds me of every like high school hockey boy. And I grew up in Winnipeg. Right. So very they're all hockey boys who are just very inconsiderate. They're very manipulative, but they like to play dumb and act like they don't know what they're doing when they know exactly what they're doing. So that was just what Cole was giving me the entire time. Just immature, foolish, like I couldn't stand him. Like he's been too celebrated from a young age. Cause like I guess I'm sure in in, yes. in the States, like maybe like football is the equivalent. Cause if you're on the hockey team, like you're the hero of your school. Um, yeah, like you're him. Everybody wants you. Everybody's praising you. You can do no wrong, even though you're always doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's funny, like, so there's a lot of situations where they were like sort of fiercely debated of like who was right or who was wrong. And there's this one instance where like, basically this was like after their first night together, they were arguing over like the definition of like whether it was a good night or a great night. And Zeneb wanted him to say it was a great night and he said it was a good night. And like there are situations like that where like, okay, I'm just so biased because I've dated too many Coles more than I would have liked to where I feel like in those situations, like I become crazy and just like will start to get like my hackles up over random moments like that because there's just this general like assholery going on and it comes out over these little moments and it's just like easy to be like oh like she's being a crazy bitch right now but like I just I'm like it's it's him <laughs> like that's that's it's always like she's a crazy bitch and it's never what did I do to make her a crazy bitch and I feel like we watched that play out in real time with Cole and Zeneb because she wasn't always like that like he would make these little remarks or do these little things and then invalidate her feelings on it so then she's just always defensive because she's always and like you're saying in those relationships because like I experienced that too it's like you're always on edge then because it's like I know you're about to invalidate me but I want to stand up for myself but I also don't want to make you mad enough to where you leave me so it's like this I want to be true to myself but also I'm going to betray parts of myself to maintain this relationship yeah like yeah exactly and with guys like that too like yeah the classic like has a grown-up hockey boy kind of kind of guy or like the american version of that archetype it's like oh it's just a joke it's just i'm just joking like everything it's like oh you can't take a joke it's that kind of it's always that vibe right but then it's like if i say something that's actually hurtful to you and i say oh it's just a joke then it's a problem but when you do it to me no problem like okay yeah so and then you know I was like, okay, who is this punk, you know? And then later on, like, (laughs) it was very validated because he made, like, just these little racist remarks here and there where I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is why the whole premise of, like, love beyond looks is, like, so... It just, like, it can't exist in this world. Like, that whole premise is, like, flawed from the start. And, like, okay, I wrote down one of his quotes. He said, do you think I thought... Zeneb looked like the girls I dated in the past that were named like Lily. No. <laughs> it's like when he said that, I was like, wow. Um 
I want to say I was taken aback, but I also was not. Like very much expected it from him. I just did not expect him to be stupid enough to say it out loud. Like he had a lot of these moments that in my mind, it's very like Canadian racism, even though he's not Canadian, but this is just kind of how it operates where it's on the fence, right? It can go one way or it can go the other to where it's easy to deny it. But then also if you're on the receiving end of it, it's easy to recognize it because you know what it is. This was a microaggression, right? Which is just, it's a word that is highly debated in itself, but it's him being racist. Because it's like, oh, well, I knew that you were going to be a brown girl and I settled for you, even though you're not my regular type, because we had this emotional connection. And it's like, what is she supposed to do with that information? Like, what is anyone supposed to do with that? What now? Oh, my God. Yes, exactly. And like, just to go back to like, you know, the content you make, like, that is why I appreciate it so much. Like, I remember that's why I first followed you is because a lot of what you do is really like pulling back just the curtain on like how much those dynamics are present in Canada and there's this narrative of like Canadians are so nice and polite and so cute and it's like no like there is so much going on that's just covered by a very thin veneer of like quote-unquote politeness I'm just I know these aren't Canadians but it's just like I know what you mean by like this plays out like so much yes especially in the dating world like I literally was like this is giving me flashbacks to being Zenev. Like, I feel like I was Zenev. Like, it's so, it's such a, a difficult dynamic to be in. Um, and there's no way to really articulate it to other people. So I was really happy that, like, the, at least the people, the girls on the show were on her side. Because um, most of the time, it's the opposite experience where you're just alone in that and nobody's understanding and no one's willing to understand. But he he did a lot of fucked up shit. And everyone was just like, it's okay, because he's cute which I also don't think he's cute, but that's another topic. Uh, yeah, no, he's not hot at all. Ugh, it's just annoying. Actually, speaking of annoying things, um, let's move on to the fat shaming of it all because this is also like, uh, I guess, a pretty like bro-y thing where it's like, <laughs> keep it right, keep it tight. <laughs> like <laughs> that sort of attitude. There And there was a lot of it. And it's it. like, ew, that makes me want to throw up. I know. And like, yeah, so there's a couple of different moments. So, like, one of them I wrote down, like, basically she offered him a piece of food. And he's like, no, like, I'm good. You got to stop fattening me up. Um, And she's like, okay, so you're okay with fattening me up, though? And then he's like, ha, 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 like, you're fattening yourself up. Um, And, oh, boy, like, later on, you know, she basically alludes to like disordered eating in her past and how she had been open with him about that because it wasn't the first one there was this very debated scene where she has these um little not a nectarine oh my god why am i forgetting oh the cuties the oranges yeah, yeah little cutie oranges which are like one bite to eat them but whatever and they're debating about like whether she should eat them and he's making comments and he's like we're having a big dinner later and he even made fun of this moment on After the Altar. And like, what are your thoughts on that scene? That irritated me so much because it was like you were saying before, it's one of those moments where he's like, oh, well, it's a joke, bro. Like, you can't take a joke. If he wanted to say it was a joke, then he would have stopped after being like, oh, you're really going to eat those? But you, he kept going with it, right? It's like, oh, well, we have a big dinner in a couple hours. You're going to eat two of them. Like you said, they're literally one bite. Like, when I saw cuties commercials, it's literally marketed at kids. It's like a kid's snack. So it's not like she's eating anything crazy, 
But me, I like to have a pre-dinner. So I like to eat before I go out for the dinner. And whoever I'm dating better not say anything bad about that. Because then it's like, I'm going to feel weird about wanting to eat in front of you and wanting to just be around you and then feel weird about eating. And I really feel like it was unfair to Zenab, especially because she had gone out of her way to be open about her disordered eating. Yeah. And kind of had that thrown back in her face. Yeah. And like, it's fine. I mean, I was just talking with someone yesterday about how like um, her partner is really great, just a friend of mine. And like, so she has a history, a pretty strong history of like, of that type of like disorder. And basically anytime she's like, I have a craving for whatever, like he'll procure it. He'll like basically drop everything and like make it happen within the next like hour or two because he's just like we're gonna like seize this moment like create healthy patterns and like whatever you want you're gonna have it and it's like it was just so like heartwarming like she was talking about all these different circumstances where like he takes care of like the groceries because it's so it's less stressful like just creates that like balance to this very challenging thing i'm like that's a real healthy partnership right there like you need to be helping each other out in the things that are more challenging to you. But obviously Cole is not even remotely close to like the depth to see it that way. He's just like getting his little toy gun out of the microwave. Like, (laughs) it just reminds me of those women who are like, yeah, I have four kids and one of the kids is her husband. That would be Cole. I don't (laughs) ever see him growing up because nobody's ever forced him to. He mentally was not at the same place that Zeneb was. And to me, I feel like that was clear in the pods. But for them, I think they thought they had a deep connection because they meshed like spiritually. But that's a really good way to trick somebody because it's just like those cult and abuse and manipulative tactics that we kind of touched on before to where it clouds your judgment. You're then not seeing them as like a whole person. You're like, oh, well, they're spiritual. They love God like I love God. And that's enough. Meanwhile, Zenob like has her life together. She's emotionally mature. She's able to have those serious conversations. And like you're saying, Cole's like pulling out his toy gun and arguing with her about how to season chicken. Like it's just ridiculous. And like pretending to drop the lock on the bridge, like when they were on the bridge. Okay. I'm like famous on this podcast for like hating pranks. Like I'm not fun like that. I, I don't like them. And I get made fun of by like often my co-host on here, Sam, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm just whatever. I'm not that kind of fun. <laughs> There's certain ones that can fly occasional ones, but the fact that they were going to like put this love lock on this bridge and he like was like, oh, I dropped it. And then was like, just kidding. I have the real one in my pocket. I'm like, what the fuck is the point of that? Because you know, it's, it's just going to be like, here's a meaningful moment that's now upsetting, but uh, it's not like okay it just feels like a form of emotional manipulation and torment because it's like you're finally having this feel-good moment and then you're gonna make me feel like absolute shit just be like oh well I came in and saved the day that was unnecessary like I don't even want to do this with you anymore just throw the real one away too because there's no point to this yeah even even something like the toy gun there's nothing actually inherently whatever it's not like a problematic thing i just find it obnoxious like that would have been grounds for ending it it would have been like get get out of my face with the with a toy gun in the kitchen like i don't want this right now like (laughs) right it's like a toddler like why do you have to say that to your fiance that's yeah that's a child that is not a man you're about to marry yeah there's like a couple out there that like they both love having little water fights in their house and like you know bless them but like this is not that dynamic (laughs) right right (laughs) um 
Is there anything more to say about Cole and Zenon before we move on? I think for me, the only thing is the fact that he continues to bring up the cutie scene as a way to kind of gaslight her and then get other people to be on his side. And the fact that he made jokes about it in After the Altar, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Because it shows that he understands the damage that he caused, right? So many people were online talking about it. People like told him directly about it and he's still making light of it. And then talking about how he loves her and wants to be with her still. So it's like, you don't have the emotional intelligence or capacity to facilitate a loving relationship. Like any you want has to be very surface level. And that's all I have to say about him for right now. Yeah. 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 It's funny how on After the Altar, he was having a pity party for himself. Like he was the one who was like, oh my God, woe is me. I mean, I'm not surprised at all, even after hearing from the world and and all that he's still like oh my god so hard for me I'm like all right and it's like you did this like you did this I don't understand it's nobody's fault but your own like how are you mad that she had good boundaries that's weird to me yes exactly they really cast like trash people on this show they cast like top tier women and then just the bottom of the barrel men like yeah and then everybody else like at 3 a.m who's still kind of lingering around the bar looking for people to pick up that's who they put on the show <laughs> it's so true <laughs> yeah no it's true I mean I guess that dynamic is like a little too present in like a lot of dating shows a lot of I guess life frankly um but mm-hmm. I don't know I guess <sighs> I wish they could just like um eternal sunshine like the last two seasons of like love is blind out of my mind and just like only have seen the first one I don't know I think Maybe I'm biased. I think maybe because I watched the first season at the start of lockdown. So it was just like seared its way into like my soul. Like I was just like, this is all that I have to like hope for right now. And so, yeah, um, Lauren and Cameron, I'm like, yeah, they should have just stopped there. That is like a once in a lifetime type of thing to come from a TV show. And yeah, but of course they were going to keep it going and cast people like Matt and Colleen (laughs) are next our next couple who boy um yeah speaking of people who should not have been on television or in the dating pool to begin with uh we have matt who yes agreed with you on that yeah where to begin with these two oh boy for me i thought it was weird comical but also weird the way that they let things play out like they showed us that Matt was Colleen's literal last choice. Like she did not want him, right? She wanted Cole and who else did she want? She wanted Brennan first and then she wanted Cole and then they were both got engaged. So she's like, okay, well, who's left? Matt. So that right away just shows you the mindset of like, I have to settle. I have to leave here with a fiance. Like I have to have that. Um, He should not have been on the show. I don't know if they do psych evaluations. I feel like he would not have passed He has a lot of anger issues, which were very evident. He has a lot of trust issues, which were very evident. The whole story of his last relationship, that in and of itself was very traumatic. And it seemed like he hadn't healed from that because every single time he talked about it, he either got upset, he got angry, or it was like he was projecting those issues onto Colleen to solve when that's not her thing to deal with at all. Yeah, there's like a way to talk about an ex, like even if you've been scorned, we're not like shaking with rage like it was scary the way you described it. i'm like i understand it's a very like horrible situation for anyone to be in but the way he's like 
fucking this happened. I'm like, you are yeah. terrifying right now. Like hmm. he gives elite little man syndrome. Like when I think about that, I just think of little old Matt. Yeah, little Matt. And like, I don't think this has ever happened in the history of the show where like this couple, like no one wanted them (laughs) to make it to the altar. And then everyone was rooting for them to fail and they got together and everyone was like wincing. And now like to this day, like on Colleen's like Instagram, every comment is like blink twice if you need help, like save Colleen. And like, it's just everyone has rallied. But they're in denial about it, even though I feel like throughout the entire season, you could kind of tell like after that initial blow up happened where he got really mad at her, she was then emotionally closed off or she was just like very careful about what it is that she did or didn't say because she didn't want to make him that mad again. And you can, and after the altar, you could see like the energy towards them. There would be like space between them. He would be more leaned into her and she would be leaned away from him he would ask her for input and she would just look around awkwardly and not say anything because she didn't agree, but she didn't want to say that she didn't agree. It just yeah. gave very, it gave very uncomfortable vibes. And it's so funny because Raven was like, yeah, they're really weird. They just fight all the time. That is not the way I want anyone to describe my relationship. And we've only been married for a year. That's crazy. Yeah. It shouldn't be that kind of work. Um, And yeah, like it's unfortunate too. And it's tough when you have people in that type of dynamic like it's hard because if you go too hard on them in a way that it feels like you're criticizing them like sometimes then people will like kind of isolate themselves like even further and just kind of like hunker down in their like little world and I don't know I hope I hope Colleen does free herself soon I don't think she will I think she's in it now at this point just to prove everyone wrong. Like you're saying, I do think, I do think that's kind of her vibe. I don't think Matt cares either way what people are saying, or I think he does care, but he acts like he doesn't. But I think Colleen for her, she's just like, I'm fine. I'm happy. Meanwhile, you're never laughing. Like there was this one scene after the altar and I saw someone do a breakdown on it of TikTok. And I was like, oh my God, where they're sitting on the couch. They're talking about the house that they want to buy. And they edited the same scene of her laughing in three times, but she only laughed once throughout that conversation. And I was like, this is like, even the editors and the producers are like, this is not good. We need to make it more entertaining. Oh my God. Because in the cut scene where they interviewed him, he's like, yeah, we're always laughing. And then they show the exact same scene of her, like moving her hair, putting her drink back (gasps) and like laughing three times oh my god they couldn't even like procure footage they had to just like keep it on a loop like a laugh track that's yeah it was literally that and I was like oh my god that's this so poor sad. lady oh my god and I want to give whatever the opposite of a shout out is to Nick Lachey for like having this like <laughs> weird <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say having this <laughs> having this weird moment with Matt in after the altar we're like they're talking about once again like this big part of his storyline of his first wife cheating on him getting pregnant with someone else and then like Nick Lachey chimes in and is like it's always better the second time around and like fist bumps Matt and it's like okay now you're invoking Jessica Simpson now you're throwing Jessica Simpson under the bus Nick because that's obviously like we all know about his famous first marriage I'm like get out of here right That felt very icky to me. It gave very, like, good job, bro energy. 
And it's like, you're really disrespecting the women that you're with because I don't know about Vanessa. I don't know if that was her first marriage or if it was also her second marriage, but with Colleen, that was her first marriage. So it's like, what are you insinuating? What are you saying here? Yeah. Also like his ex-wife, like I've, you know, I read her book and like, she didn't paint him out to be like a monster, but she was like, he, it wasn't great. Like she's like, basically we were both young and dumb, but like he was pretty shitty. And like, now she's like living her best life, has a billion dollar company. And he's like, <laughs> better the second time around. I'm like, okay, Nick. Like all you guys have is a Netflix show. Please relax. Yeah. Please be so serious. Yeah. Please be serious. A Netflix show where everyone mocked you. I have not forgotten about him introducing himself in season one as obviously Nick Lachey. Like <laughs> that was one of the like, funniest. Okay. <laughs> that was one of the funniest reality TV moments. I'm obviously Nick Lachey. Like talk about small man syndrome. I'm like, okay, obviously. Nick- right. Because it's like a lot of the people watching this show have no idea who you are because they're my age or younger. So like, obviously, like, who are you? Like, they don't know who you are. But even someone who's like very famous and current, like Miley Cyrus wouldn't be like, obviously, I'm Miley Cyrus. Like- <laughs> <laughs> so just like when you put it that way, it does sound ridiculous. Yeah, no, anyone who's like confident in like who they are as a star, like wouldn't. <laughs> couldn't put it like that no it was hilarious um okay so i want to get into sk and raven we we talked about them in a bit in the beginning but there's a lot there so where to begin with these two i really didn't like the fact that they gave the only black woman on the show the villain edit i feel like her and um zenep were the only two people who got a villain edit even though matt absolutely deserved it Bart Toast, Bartise, he absolutely deserved it too, uh, but they did not get it. Cole deserved yeah. it, did not get it. So I really didn't like that. And I don't think Raven did anything to deserve it. Like Raven came in seeming very authentic, very true to herself. And she was kind of closed off and very reserved and had every right to be because look at what happened to her. Um, so I didn't like that. I didn't get the appeal of SK. I really do not feel like anyone really clicked with him but Raven, but Raven had a lot of options. Um, So it was almost like SK was going for what he had available, but Raven chose him. So I feel like it already gave a weird dynamic off the bat. Um, And I don't know if he ever explicitly mentioned his attraction, but I think in his mind, just based off of the things that she was interested in and her name and the way she was talking, like I do think he thought that she was a white girl. So then when they met each other, he was like, oh, because every single woman that he cheated on her with was a skinny white blonde. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And Raven did an interview with Nick Vile. I think his name is. He used to be a bachelor. And she talked about how SK would always make comments about her body and what she looked like and the things that she wore and would show her pictures of the girls that he's cheating on her with being like, you should dress more like them. So very just toxic and crazy from the beginning, I feel, because he just doesn't like Black women. And that's fine if that's not your attraction. Is it it fine? It's not. It's not. (laughs) I want to say, like, it's fine because I don't want to judge anybody for their attraction. But, yeah, no, it's not. It's not fine, especially because he's a Black man. So I feel like there's something very weird when you will be like, I will never date anyone with my same racial background or like skin color like that's very weird to me 
Well, and to like harken back to when I mentioned like in that first scene when they're just meeting everyone, like before they even go into the pods and he's like, oh, on dating apps, like it counts people out. It's interesting like to view it in that light because at the time I was like, I mean, okay, I'm obviously a white lady. Like I'm not going to speak to like the dating experience of like being a person of color, but I was just like in that moment, I was like, SK, like if someone is discounting you because of your race, like don't chase after them. Like, you know, I just, that was like my first, like just yelling at him, like through the screen be like, no, like th- you don't deserve that, you know? But then it's interesting to see it from like that perspective of like, oh, like he has a type and he doesn't want them to rule him out. And like, he has more of a bias himself. Like that's so yeah. interesting. And I think the thing that got me was because I think you're taught if you're conventionally attractive, then things will just be easy for you. Raven is conventionally attractive, right? She's a very beautiful woman and she's very kind. In my mind, she's like the desirable woman, right? Everybody saw her and they're like, all the men, they're like, oh, she's so hot. But then the old man that she's with doesn't want her. So I felt really bad for her. I really did feel bad for her. Um, And he's like, made himself seem so sweet. Oh, we're going at Raven's pace and blah, blah, blah. I think that's because in his mind, he was trying to talk himself into being with her because he knew what that would come with off of the show. He just like wasn't into it. So he's like, yeah, take it as much time as you need. It's fine. Like, it's all good. I'll just be here. Don't don't even worry about it. Like, <laughs> like- Right. And he's like signing up for Bumble and Hinge and all these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, I'm glad that we're recording this when we are, because while the main show is airing, SK had said no at the altar um, but then they kind of got together after like he was sort of like, no, it wasn't great circumstance. And they were the couple that people were rooting for. Like most people were like really into them as a couple and were very shocked by him saying no. And then were like happy that they were dating after. But then by the time after the altar aired, um, it was public knowledge that this had happened. And so there's like these scenes where he's talking about marriage and there's like a proposal and it's like it's so awkward because meanwhile we know that raven had to find out through tiktok this godforsaken app tiktok that he is cheating yeah um uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention about sk and raven oh the only thing i wanted to mention that i didn't like this was like when they kind of solidified her villain edit when she said how she expects her husband to pay her bills and like help her maintain her quality of life and they tried to frame it like she was a gold digger and I was like I I feel like that's a very fair expectation to have like me if I'm marrying somebody I don't and they make more than me then obviously you're paying all the bills but also if you're talking about how he says I'm a traditional man then that's a traditional standard. But then he wanted her to kind of bend on that. He's like, well, I don't want to have to pay for you to go get your hair done and your nails done. I don't want to have to pay your bills. But in every other aspect of our relationship, it's traditional and you need to listen to me. I want all the traditional aspects of a relationship, but without having to like do the part where I have to put in work. Like, I just want you to do things for me. But like, we're going to cherry pick the parts of a traditional relationship that benefit me and that I want. Very convenient. Um, and like, hey, for the whole gold digger accusation, it's like if people want a relationship where someone is supporting them and they're open about that, like you're allowed to want that. Like not everyone needs to have a 50-50 dynamic. Right. 
that's what I thought too. And it wasn't like she was hiding it. She said it before they got married, like as they were just talking about moving in together. And I don't see anything wrong with that. It's the way things have been done for so long. It makes me laugh when men are mad about that. And it's like, like it's men who implemented this standard. So like, you shouldn't really be mad at the woman for wanting you to uphold it. Like be mad at other men for putting it there in the first place if you don't want to do it. Well, the only men who get mad about theoretical gold diggers are men that don't have any gold. So, uh, Which is so weird. Like, why are you pressed <laughs> about something you don't have? <laughs> They're like, in theory, if one day I got a girlfriend and I had money to go around, I don't want any gold diggers. Like, okay, I don't think you're going to have that problem, buddy. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to get a reverse situation happening at the moment where I want to make it big enough so that I can have like a house husband. And I just want, I like... I get really stressed out by domestic tasks. So I would love for that part of my life to be taken care of. <laughs> and that I sounds like, lovely. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, capitalism is hard. You, whatever dynamic you want, we all just need to like, just go for it. Uh, but in terms of SK and Raven, I'm glad the truth has come out and they didn't commit to things any further that they than they did. I mean, they they got married. So she said like, she's not allowed to say anymore for legal reasons. Um yeah, yeah. And I think she's talked about how she's dating someone new and that looks promising. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like posts TikToks and stuff, like not of him, but just like her in his space. So I just hope I wish her the best and I wish SK the worst. Yes, agreed. Um, I just want to give like a quick shout out to Alexa and Brennan, like one of the two married couples from the show who are still together, still seem happily married. Um, yeah, I just want to say like good for them. I mean, maybe. Or maybe there not. Was, there was tea that came out after the reunion about him as well. Wait, what? Believe- oh my God. Wait, I take it back. What? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I actually, I found this on another, like it's a, she also covers reality TV. Like Grace Report is her name. She's a Canadian, but she's not living in France. And she was one of the first people I saw who posted he had a record of domestic violence <gasps> oh my god where i take it was... i take all my well wishes back oh my god <laughs> this is the thing and i i say allegedly it's all alleged because it was just a police report nothing ever went further and everybody's very speculative about why that didn't go further they're like oh it went to a grand jury and the grand jury decided not to press charges there's no evidence of that it's just this police report and then that's it but basically he was dating a woman who was significantly younger, like early 20s and significantly smaller. Like Brennan is a big guy. She was very small. They were like, it was like a casual type of situation, went over to his house to drink and they were hanging out, whatever. I don't know exactly why he told her to leave. He got mad, told her to leave. She's like, I can't, I can't go anywhere. Like it's late. I can't drive. Um, like I'll just sleep on the couch and then I'll leave in the morning. He got mad, threw her up against the wall. She like passed out when she came back to allegedly alleged like Wendy Williams allegedly 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 he was swinging on her like hitting her striking at her scratching her um because she wouldn't leave and then went to the bedroom after all that happened and she slept on the couch and then in the morning I don't recall if she went to the hospital or if her mom came and got her and took her to the hospital but because of the injuries that were on her they could tell something had happened So it was like an automatic, we have to call the police and file a report type of situation. And when it came out, all he said was, I don't remember exactly, but it started to go viral. 
Um, and it was so funny because it was a couple days after I made a video about it and he had been silent up until that point. And so I was like, this is interesting that now you see more people are talking about it. So you feel the need to address it because it's going like everybody's videos are going viral about it. And he said um, it was false allegations and he sends his love and well wishes to all the genuine victims. Oh, my God. You're not explicitly being like, I didn't do it. You're being like, it was it was false allegations and she wasn't a real victim and she's a liar. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I have you to fill me in on this because, OK, I wish him the worst. I really wish him the worst from the bottom, <laughs> from the bottom of my heart. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. And I fuck? thought it was funny because he Ugh. put on this whole good guy persona and he was so judgmental of everybody. Meanwhile, he knew he had the skeleton in his closet. But everyone was also saying in retrospect, after they found this out, they're like, you can see how he would be that type of person because he was so agreeable. Anything Alexa wanted, he was going with it. He didn't really have any opinions of his own. He was just very much agreeing with her about everything to be like, I'm so in love with you. You're so in love with me. And that's kind of typically, I'm not saying that he's abusing her because I really hope that he's not. And I think Alexa would beat his ass if it ever got to that. But that's kind of how that cycle starts, right? They overwhelm you with love. They make you feel like you're the most important thing. They just adore you and then they abuse you. And then they go back to adoring you and then they abuse you. And it's like this never ending cycle. Oh God. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, there's no heroes. There's no heroes anywhere on TV. Sometimes I think in the whole pop culture world, except for the girls game days, most exactly. Of Always coming through. <laughs> Always coming through. Yeah. Um, Jada, this was such a good conversation. It was so amazing to have you. Like, I feel like I could just keep talking about like this whole world for hours. Um, but I'm gonna let you go first. Tell everyone where they can find you, and also everything's gonna be linked in the show notes. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great to talk to you. It felt like talking to an old friend, but we've never talked face to face before. Just two Scorpios um, just chit chatting. <laughs> exactly exactly could literally go on for hours yeah um you can find me on tiktok under girl you haven't heard you can find my podcast also girl you haven't heard on every uh, streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts you can find it and i also have a youtube channel if you prefer like a visual version um i'm not really on instagram but that for right now is just my name so j-a-y-d-a underscore i-s-h-a aisha my middle name and i'll be posting on there eventually instagram scares me so i'm mostly on tiktok Okay, amazing. Well, thanks so much, Jada. Oh, thank you so much. This podcast is produced by me, Emily Rose, hosted by the Sonar Network and edited by Solomon Krauss Imla. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave me a five-star review. See you next week. Au revoir, mes amours.